When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm your host, Chris Raybon of the Action Network. This is your NFL playoff divisional round betting preview. We're going to talk sides, totals, props, money lines, and of course, crack open our weekend six-pack of Against the Spread bets with the help of my co-host, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Cade Otten Stucky. Stucky, what's going on, man? What's up, brother? Cade Otten was fun right from the first, I mean, the first play of the game. Or second, the first completion, getting the longest reception over was fun. And I was out at a bar with our producer, Matt Mitchell, and Evan Abrams, our steam colleague, and then yeah, random follower, shout out Ryan, that met at our event this weekend. Now, we put in all these crazy, just lot in-game, same-game parlays, just messing around. They were like 800 to 1, like with the K-Dot and all the alts, bucks to win, which mm-hmm. all hit. And then K-Dot in first and last touchdown. Now, he should have had the first touchdown. He dropped it. That was his one yeah. uh, bad thing. But that was a fun game. It wasn't the the most exciting wild card weekend, but it was very profitable for us. Uh, I feel like everyone at Action, you know, all the shows, everyone had a big weekend. So we got the Bills for my futures, Bills to move on. So the main goal this weekend, get the Bills and Ravens, still the futures dream to the AFC Championship game. I think we got the best possible uh, outcomes for this weekend as far as who came out of last weekend. So I think that we'll have some really good games this weekend. And then assuming the Ravens win, whoever comes out of Bill's Chiefs, that the AFC Championship game should be awesome. Seven games left. Let's cherish them. Uh, close out the year strong. And who cares what happened last week? Let's find some winners for this week. All right, let's do it. And uh, <clears throat> we'll uh, open up the six-pack once again. Sides, totals, props, uh, whatever. Uh, only thing is we have to have at least one side. So uh, we'll do that again. 73, 66, you're up. And I'll just give the lines for each of the four games up top. Uh, there's one game that's not going to be in a six-pack. We'll talk about that after the six-pack. But still want to give everybody the the lines as we record this uh, in the middle of the week. Houston at Baltimore. Ravens favored by nine and a half. The total 43 and a half for MGM. Packers at the Niners. Niners favored by nine and a half. The total 50 and a half. The Bucks at the Lions. Lions favored by six and a half with a total of 48 and a half. And then Chiefs at Bills. Bills favored by three at BetMGM. Uh, the total 45 and a half. All right, Stuck, you're up first. So let's crack open our divisional round. Six back. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six pack. 
All right, for my first pick and the first overall of the divisional round weekend six-pack, I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens first half minus six and a half at home against the Houston Texans. Uh, I'll, I'll start off by saying uh, just unbelievable performance by the Texans last week. Stroud was awesome. Flacco was not. But, uh, you know, I think there's a little bit of recency bias in this line. I think it should be at least 10. But overall, and I'll explain why I like the first half a little bit more than the side spread as I go on here. But I went into last weekend saying that the Browns are extremely overrated. Like the, the Browns are, I don't know why everyone's fell in love with them. It's still 38-year-old Joe Flacco. They played a bunch of backups at the end of the year. And their defense, which was banged up, is not the same defense that it was earlier in the year. And their defense on the road, again, gets shredded, as it did all year. They finished 9-0 and on the season, or 10-0 and on the season in road overs, which is pretty crazy. But um, so it's not like I adjusted Houston astronomically after that game. It's still one game. And this is a Texans team specifically from a defensive standpoint. And look, their offense, love Stroud. I love the, their game. They were aggressive throwing early, which I liked. But they're this is a wide receiver room now. Doesn't have Noah Brown. Doesn't have Tank Dell. And now you're going up against the best defense in the NFL with that played a, a top five schedule um, this year. And there's really no weaknesses here. I think that, you know, look, if the Ravens off a bye, well-rested, whereas the Texans, I mean, you're dealing with injuries, not only wide receivers, but on the defensive end. They're not fully healthy in the secondary. And now you have you know, questions at defensive end. Will Anderson, they're just not fully healthy. I'm assuming that, I mean, Hughes might not play, but I'm assuming Anderson and Gennardo are going to play, but they didn't practice today. This defense isn't fully healthy. And, you know, outdoor team, indoor team going outdoors and what's going to be frigid temperatures. But from a matchup perspective, Ravens and Harbaugh always good off of a bye. This, and I think it's super beneficial for this staff in particular. The coordinators have been so good. What do I think that we'll see here as a result? I think that you'll see the Ravens come out pretty pass heavy early on. That's the weakness of this Texans uh, defense by far. And I think that you're going to see on on defense, you're going to have, I mean, you know, you have Mike McDonald has had weeks to prepare for this game. You're going to have a lot of different looks to confuse Stroud, different pressures. I think you're going to go a little bit man heavier. I mean, zone, which Stroud absolutely shredded zone throughout this year, wasn't nowhere close to as good versus man or under pressure, which I think we'll see both of this year, this week. I think we'll see, you know, some a lot of man on the outside, but also simulated pressure, some different blitzes just to confuse him into a mistake or two. And then Lamar Jackson against his defense, if they come out pass heavy, this is a defense that doesn't blitz a lot. And that's really been one of the ways that you could, I mean, Lamar's numbers against anything have been great this year, but he struggled at times against the blitz. Against zone, which the Texans run a bunch of, I mean, it's been ridiculous what Lamar has done against zone. 71% completion rate, 0.1 EPA per dropback. 51% success rate, which is just stupid. Also has a much higher success uh, success rate and scramble rate against zone. People think like, oh, if you play zone, you know that'll stop Lamar from scrambling. But he's just so fast, it doesn't matter, right? Like against some other mobile quarterbacks, if you play man, you're going to get burnt by the scramble. 
But, you know, you got Mark Andrews now full practice. He's back. Um, So I think this Ravens offense is going to come out with a really good game plan. I think they're going to confuse Stroud early. And this Ravens team, look, if you just look at the body of work for each team, the Texans in their last 10 games have faced one playoff quarterback, Joe Flacco. That was it. This is a team that played one offense all year that finished in the top 10 in EPA per play. That was the Ravens in week one of a new scheme. You know, offense, what we, we saw how much off, better the offense got, you know, even just after the first few weeks. And they lost that game 25 to nine. They didn't, didn't face a single top 10 offense the rest of the way. Didn't really face many mobile quarterbacks. I mean, you had Kyler who ran pretty well against them in a close game, but that was for the Cardinals. Meanwhile, the Ravens against playoff teams this year, six and two, if you remove the backup game at the end, beat them by an average of 15 points per game. Better special teams here. And you have two cash cows in Lamar and Harbaugh in the first half. Past 20 years, most profitable quarterback in the first half against the spread. Lamar Jackson, 50, 25, and two. 67%. He's covering by three points per game on average. Over 75 game sample size in the first half. Three points. And then Harbaugh, first half, most profitable coach against the spread over the past 20 years. 148, 103, and eight. Talking 250 game sample size, 59%. You'd say, okay, there's some you know overlap there. Remove Lamar from Harbaugh. Harbaugh, 98, 78, and six against the spread, 56%. Against the spread in the first half, you know, for example, like seven and two with Huntley starting in the first half. What that speaks to is you have that Lamar, you know, first of all, really good staff, usually. They're really well prepared, even more so now with extra time off and the, the healthier team. And then you have that Lamar adjustment of like getting used to his speed, uh, you know, for a team that's not like a, they're in their division. They haven't seen many mobile quarterbacks. The last time I saw them was in week one. It's a defense that's banged up. It's a good matchup for the Ravens offense. And the Ravens defense can kind of cater what they do each week based on the matchup. So I think they can force Stroud into some mistakes. And it's just not a fully healthy wide receiver room. I mean, I would love to see Stroud with like Dell, Brown, Collins, and his full arsenal of weapons here go up against the Ravens D. But uh, I think you get a focused Ravens effort after uh, some time off, and there's some matchup advantages here. And then just the past success of Lamar and Harbaugh in the first half. Uh, I like them anything under a touchdown in the first half. How do you feel like the second half is going to play out between these two teams? Because, you know, first half, obviously, you're technically paying a tax because, you know, the full game line is nine and a half. The first game line is six and a half. Yeah, I mean, I played five and a half. It's gone up. I still like it at six and a half. But the Ravens have a tendency to, like, kind of play with their food late. You know, then they say, okay, let's rely just on our defense. And it, it's still Stroud. I could just see a, a Texans back door pretty easily in this game. And there's just no – it's the playoffs. There's no reason to win by margin. You're going to have the Chiefs or Bills next week. It's let's keep everyone healthy. This total is coming down a bit. It's going to be freezing cold. I'm probably going to play some Ravens for the full game as well. Uh, I mean, I, I know for certain I am at under 10. Yeah, I, I like both, but that's those are some of the reasons why I like the first half instead. All right, well, I'm going to stay in the same game. For my first pick in the second overall of the division around six-pack, I'm going Devin Singletary under 16 and a half 
receiving yards. And I think this might be a little bit of a market overcorrection for the fact that Noah Brown uh, went on IR, you know, but he didn't really play much in that last game anyway. And Houston has had receivers out all year. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to target their backs more in this game. Singletary's had 13 or fewer receiving yards in 15 of 18 games. That's 83%. So I think the reason books bumped him up is a combination of, you know, the receivers being banged up, but also he's been playing over the last two weeks on about 72% of the team's pass snaps. However, uh, last week, you know, it was a blowout. And in general, Singletary, he'll play a little more when they're leading because he's not their third down, hurry up kind of back. So in a game script where you're projected to be down by more than one score, it's going to be more of a Goomba Wale uh, who plays two minute, who plays third down. Only three of Singletary's 38 targets, 8% have come on third or fourth down this year. And only 8% have come with less than two minutes to go in either half. And then you got Roquan Smith uh, is one of the linebackers. He grades out top five in coverage at PFF with an 84.1 grade, fifth out of 80 qualified linebackers. Patrick Queen, 15th out of 80 qualifiers with a 76.1 coverage grade. And again, Singletary's only gone over this, gone over 13, three of his 18 games this season. So I think this line is a little bit high. I'm sure it'll come down. I would bet the under 213 and a half. Uh, so hopefully by the time we're listening to this, uh, you could still get that, but I, I think this number is too high because, again, if Houston is trailing and it is garbage time, I think you're going to see a lot more Agun Bowale. That's kind of what happened in the first game. Houston lost by 16. Damian Pierce at this point was a starter, but if you just look at him and Singletary combined, Singletary didn't get any targets in that game because he was the uh, the number two back behind Pierce. But Pierce, three targets, two catches, nine yards. Boone, who was the Ogun Bowale role, had four targets, three catches for 18 yards. So that's what I kind of would expect this week. I think, you know, Singletary, if you have to pick between him and Schultz, it's going to be him uh, staying in a block a little bit more in this game if, if the pass rush is giving him an issue. Um, they do give him screens about two-thirds of his games. He has 12 screens, but he only averages five yards a catch on screen passes. So that's not going to destroy us, obviously, unless they break one, but that that's true about any catch. So – uh, like Singletary under 16 and a half receiving yards for my number one pick. Let me move on to my second pick and the third overall of the divisional round weekend six pack. I'm going to go with a Tampa Bay buck over longest receptions. It's not Kate Otten, unfortunately. Uh, it is Chris Godwin over 21 and a half yards. I'm playing him over yards too, but let me break this down. I actually think people that are waiting for the Otten, um, that Otten last week helps us here. And the reason for that is just like, oh, wow, Kate Otten had a huge game. He's not that good. But, uh, you know, so the Lions got to be a little bit more cognizant of him after watching that, right? It's like, all right, maybe we have to pay a little bit more attention. But mainly, this is – there's two reasons why I really like this. Um, one – the Bucks last week, the huge advantages going up against the Eagles secondary, you can't cover anybody, was afraid that, you know, at times they get a little too run heavy and they're not a good running team. They came out and just threw the ball. Uh, what, 75, 80% uh, neutral pass game rate? Yeah. 
very high. And then if you look back at the first matchup, you, the score is very misleading because Baker Mayfield missed a ton of wide o- – I'm talking wide open. I think he missed three wide open guys way downfield. 33 – I think yeah, almost a third of Baker Mayfield's throws were 20-plus yards downfield. That's as high as you know, you'll see in any game of any quarterback. So they were throwing it downfield. So I have a lot of confidence that they're going to come out with a pass-heavy game script. Also, they're underdogs here. So the most likely scenarios are going to be playing from behind. But I'm confident they're going to be throwing it a lot. And you know they're going up against a line secondary that's given up the fourth most yards to receivers. But this is all, and you know this game is also indoors. Baker Mayfield looked healthier. Bucks play a lot of games outdoors. This is a fast track. The other thing is this is mainly a fade of Vildor, who I think is one of the worst corners in the league. I've said it since he came into the league. He's allowing 22.8 yards per reception. The next worst, if you just take you know, minimum 100, 100 coverage snaps. It's been 151 corners who have played 100 coverage snaps this year. The next worst is 17.7. He's five yard, almost five, 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 over five yards worse than the next worst corner. He's, he's, he gets burnt consistently. There's going to be opportunities for Godwin to explode this. Why do I think it's Godwin? Well, you, there's one of two things that's going to happen here. You might have Sutton shadow Evans. They've they've used Sutton as a shadow sometimes. I don't know if they're going to do it or not. You never really know what the game plan is going to be. But that's one option. If that's the case, you're going to have Vildor on uh, on Godwin. If they don't, then you'll have Vildor on the left side, and that's where Godwin lines up more often when he goes out wide. And his slot snaps have gone down the past couple of weeks. He's also – I think he's gone over, over this number – you know, uh, 50, he's had catches of at least 20 and a half yards or at least 21 and a half, I should say, 15 out of 18 games this season. So not quite every game, but like I said, this is a bad pass date. This is indoors. The game script should favor it, and I expect him to come out and be very pass heavy. Baker Mayfield's also healthy, and he's going up again. He's going to get a lot of matchups against what I've seen to be one of the worst corners in the league. The safety help isn't great either. So I think that there's going to be plenty of opportunities. And I like Goblin over yards too, but there's just, there's going to be multiple opportunities for him to break one. He might get, you know, he could have a 60, 70 yard uh, broken reception. And I think he's going to get the more favorable matchups more often. Bucks are going to come out pass heavy here. So yeah. And, and maybe a little bit more attention with the safeties to Otten. Maybe that, that helps him. Safety just hesitates a little bit, but I like, uh, I like Goblin to have a big day here. Do you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I, I agree. I think – and I'll, it's going to actually relate to my next prop, but I think the key is Godwin has played less uh, slot snaps as of late. He is lining up more outside. And I think the – really the strongest, you know, Lions pass defense when you talk about wide receivers is going to be in the slot because you yeah. got uh, Branch there. Uh I guess CJ Gardner Johnson, you could put there. Like you have more yeah. options where I think the outside is really, um, you know, where your weakness is. So uh, I do, you know, I'll talk about the Bucs. I, I, I do agree. I think the Bucs have some matchup advantages throwing the football. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think, I think when you're looking at Godwin, he's the guy that kind of stands out in this matchup. 
Uh, Otten could still have a good game. You know, I don't... you know, last week against a team that cannot cover tight ends at all. It's not like the Lions are great, but I mean, the way that the Eagles, the roster was at the end of the year with Patricia Law. The, I mean, I got 20 and a half. It's like, right. you know, it's like 31 now. After last week, you're you're definitely playing paying a premium on Otten. But I, I think, he, I think he, he definitely could have another good game. Well, let me get right into my next pick because it's going to kind of be the inverse of that, you know, paying a – there is a premium right now on a guy. And for my second pick, the fourth overall of the divisional round six pack, I'm going Trey Palmer under 20 and a half receiving yards. And I think you're paying a premium here. If you're looking to bet the over on Palmer, obviously he had that great 56 yard touchdown, a shout out to Nick Giffen, uh, who was on his anytime touchdown. And I know made a lot of people, a lot of money uh, with that hit. But when you look at what Trey Palmer has been doing, number one, he's been playing, fewer slot snaps and that affected just his overall playing time last week. He ran around on a season low 33% of team dropbacks, David Moore, a season high 42%. So, you know, we were kind of watching that game and I, I was saying to uh, our guy, Matthew Treby, it looked like Moore kind of overtook Palmer a little bit in, in the game plan. And it could be a one week thing, but uh, even if you look at the entire season, Trey Palmer has been, under 20, uh, 20 yards, held to 20 yards or less in 10 of his 18 games, 21 yards or less in 11 of his 18 games. And now you're looking at a situation where, you know, Palmer is still going to run, you know, 40 to 50% of his snaps in the slot. So he'll still face, uh, you know, their toughest corner and branch uh, a good amount. But he could just go back to that same snap rate that he had last week. And if he doesn't get that 56-yarder, he finishes the game with no catches uh, on, you know, no catches for no yards in that game on one target. So I think this is a good time to sell high on Palmer, you know, big plays are volatile. And even though he hasn't been playing in the slot quite as much, he still has a single digit average depth of target in seven of his last nine games uh, earlier in the season. That was about 50, 50, whether you would have, you know, a, a dot over or under 10 for the season His average a dot is actually 11. So um, this is another one where, yeah, you could get hurt by a big play, but it's unlikely to hit a big play like that two weeks in a row. And David Moore has kind of cut into Palmer's role a bit. And Moore had a good game too, you know, but it wasn't just Palmer, you know, Palmer obviously took advantage of uh, just terrible Philly tackling and angles and all that stuff on that, on that 56 yarder. But for the season, uh, this is a plus EV bet. And for this game, I think it's even more because you have the built-in uh, upside, I guess you could call it, of you know Palmer playing on well under 50% of the pass snaps yet again. And then on top of that, I think the market is a little bit low on the bucks. And so there's a better chance, I think, for positive game script than the line is kind of indicating too. So that's actually worth, could be worth a, you know, a yard or two as well because you're expecting maybe a little bit less passing in garbage time or just passing period really uh, in this game. If the bucks uh, are at the line that I think they should be at in the market. So uh, give me Trey Palmer under 20 and a half receiving yards against the Detroit lions. I think they're going to kick out Godwin even more to the, than they have been recently. Mm -hmm. And a majority of Palmer slot snaps have come in the slot this year. And it's not like an overwhelming majority yeah most of that, and yeah like we just talked about that that's where you get the best uh for from a detroit perspective the best cover options going up against them and i think that he might you know if he is in there if they're going to get even a higher percentage of snaps to godwin on the outside 
then you know he's not going to have favorable matchups as well in the slot. So that could add to it as well. All right, for my third pick in the fifth overall of the divisional round Sunday six-pack, I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers minus nine and a half against the Green Bay Packers. I think that there's a little bit of recency bias here for what Green Bay looked like last week. Jordan Love's been amazing. We've talked about it, how good he's been since week 11. He was great last week as well. Uh, we were all on the, the Packers last week, but this is a Green Bay team. Can we remember that the defense is still horrendous? Uh, this is not a good defense in any stretch. And I talked about this last week. We both were on the Packers. Would have been one of my picks in the six-pack. It was one of yours. I actually kind of liked a little bit of the matchup for the Green Bay defense because Dallas hasn't run the ball efficiently all year. And that's not going to be an issue with San Francisco, the best rushing offense in the NFL, against this Green Bay D that vulnerable against their run. They can't cover the middle of the field. They can't cover backs, can't cover tight ends. They can't cover the slot. It All of the ingredients that you would want when you're not, you know, when you're about to face San Francisco off extra rest, extra preparation, I'm sure the script is going to be great. For San Francisco, they're also going to be the healthier team, the more well-rested team. They should get Armstead back. I'm almost positive they're going to get Armstead back on the defensive line. Now you finally have that defensive line fully healthy. And I think they'll be able to generate some pressure up the middle, which I think you want to do against Jordan Love. But, you know, Greenlaw back, Armstead back, fully healthy D now. And look, Packers, Love has been great. They cooked the Cowboys. A lot of that was for a lot of that was on love. A lot of that was on, you know, the DAC mistakes, the play, the play calling, the out, the coaching, some of the things that from a game plan perspective, Dallas was just left in the dust as far as personnel. They wouldn't adjust. Um, and I don't think that's going to be an issue here. We have to remember this is a Packers team that, I mean, look, if you look over the last three weeks, they beat, you know, I mean, they lost to Tommy DeVito. Um they lost to the Steelers. They beat up on some bad teams. And if you look, this Green Bay defense, which is 27th DVOA, is it getting better? No. 28th weighted. Told you all the things that they can't cover, which is where San Fran excels in. They also played an extremely easy schedule of opposing offenses. That's not adjusting for the fact they played DeVito. They played, you know, they played a game against the Vikings with Jaron Hall. And they played the Rams, who are considered a good offense, when Brett Rippon started. So uh, their defensive metrics benefited from three uh, playing the Rams with Brett Rippon. If you adjust for that, you know, this was a bottom two, three defense in the league against one of the easiest schedules in the league. It's just hard for me to see them getting many stops. And, uh, you know, this is, I just think that this is a little bit of inflation. I think this line should be over 10 playoffs. You're not getting, you're not going to get huge side edges. It's not like, I think this line should be 14. Um, But I think San Fran's going to come up. They're going to come out the great script. They're going to get a lead at home. They're going to be able to get some pressure with a fully healthy defense now for Green Bay and some mistakes. It's just I I keep looking at this game and I get deja vu because I remember in, when we were doing this podcast in 2019, I think I had a Packers 50 to 1, 40 to 1. Uh, I don't know what I forget the price, but I had a, my only Super Bowl future was a Packers future, and they were going to San Francisco, 
you know, you had Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, but they couldn't stop the run. And I was like, they're, they're going to get ripped apart. And they did. And I feel like nothing has changed with these teams. Um, and I just can't see many paths for this Green Bay defense to get stops. I think, I think San Francisco is just going to go up and down the field at will. If they want to run it, if they want to throw it, uh, it's hard for me to see this Green Bay defense getting many stops. And by the way, Green Bay also has one of the worst special teams units in the entire NFL. Maybe a completely unreliable kicker, but they've been bad across the board. So it's like we're a team that's been the most dominant in the NFL all season off a bye at home with huge advantages on offense, now a healthier defense. You're basically just saying, like, Jordan Love, uh, keep this within a touchdown. And he's been great since week 11. But I think we've gone a little bit too far overboard uh, based on last week's performance. So I'm selling the Packers after last week. It's funny. You see, it's funny. It's funny. You see these swings. Everyone, you know, not anyone listens to this podcast or us, but the Cowboys were an overwhelming public side. Now everyone wants to jump off and no one wanted to take the seven and a half at Dallas. Now, now everyone wants to you know, take the nine and a half at San Francisco. San Francisco has been significantly better than Dallas. And this is a much better matchup. And they're coming off of a bye at home. And look, again, like I said, the Packers have been good, but can we re- can we remember since week 11? They beat the Chiefs in that amazing spot. A guy that spot circled before the year. They beat the – they lost to Tommy DeVito. They got blown out by the Bucks. They held on to beat the Panthers. The Panthers scored 30 on them, by the way. That – it t- it took the Panthers – if you line the Panthers up against all the other playoff teams – and you, they just played one each week. How long would it take them to score 30 total points? Like I don't, Six months? Uh, then they beat the Vikings. They blew out the Vikings with Jaron Hall starting and Nick Mullins. And then they beat the Bears. Like I think we have to cool our jets based on just one game against the Cowboys. I'm taking the Niners here, minus nine and a half at home. I have this line right about where the market does, so not as much of an edge for me. But, uh, you know, all the points make sense. That this probably is the time to sell on Green Bay. I am a little worried they could – keep up offensively. We've kind of been seeing that in the playoffs. The theme is these offenses that are playing well have kind of won the day. And, you know, some of the defenses, you know, Cleveland comes to mind. I mean, although they were bad on the road, but um, I, I do think this Green Bay offense is, is humming right now and could give the Niners some issues. But yeah, I agree. I think the Niners on that Green Bay defense, they're going to go up and down the field. All right. For my third pick, the sixth and final of the Divisional round six pack going with the Tampa Bay Bucks plus six and a half at the Detroit Lions. Uh, so a couple things here, a few things here. Number one, the Bucks have been playing better as of late. Uh, you know, heading into that game last week, they were up to 15th in weighted overall DVOA. So an above average team, they're Detroit seventh. Tampa Bay last week outgained Philadelphia 426 to 234. Detroit got outgained by the Rams at home. 425 to 334. So by nearly a hundred yards. And then we know what Todd Bowles and his Bucks defense is going to do. Knew it was going to be a problem against the uh, you know, knew the Eagles were going to struggle with it, and that's the blitz. And uh, this Detroit team, it's, it hasn't been as bad as Jalen Hurts, but Jared Goff goes, he's a top graded passer when he's not blitzed uh, at PFF with a 90.4 grade. He drops to 22nd uh against the blitz with a 70. 
6.3 grade. So I think this Buffalo, uh, excuse me, this uh, Tampa Bay defense and its blitz happiness is going to work to its advantage here. Uh, you look at Detroit's defense, they're actually grayed out worse than Tampa Bay in, in weighted uh, DVOA, but also pass funnel defense. Number one against the run, 16th against the pass. It really doesn't matter if you're number one against the run against Tampa Bay because they've been the worst rushing team in the league for the better part of two years now. So I don't think that's a big edge for them. I think Detroit's still exploitable on the back end. Mayfield's been a lot better against pressure lately. He's just been uh, locked in. And while, you know, this isn't, this isn't a home game for Mayfield, it is an indoor game. Uh, so, you know, just kind of like Tampa Bay at home, not, not really conditions. Huh? Is it an indoor game? <laughs> right. Yeah. Who, what did they ask um, Todd Bowles? That? Bowles like, if, how if he's preparing be, the team to deal with for the, the frigid Detroit weather. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Any special plans to acclimate the team to perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. No, nothing planned. We only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus going under the thing. So we'll be okay. Todd Bowles, by the way, also in a year where I feel like a lot of coaches have just been terrible. Todd Bowles has kind of managed to stay out of the news. You know, he's like, it hasn't been amazing, but he hasn't made those like terrible errors or just, you know, completely had his team, you know, shit the bed or anything like that. Um, so yeah, last uh, week, I think that what you're saying now is like the Bucks, they can't run it. Detroit's run D has been very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that was one of the things I was worried about with Tampa last week. And they showed me that, they understood the assignment and they didn't run. They didn't try to run any in neutral game States. They were coming out and they came out firing, showed me that they, you know, the scout was good. It worked. So you're very likely to look at this matchup again. And it's even more drastic because the Eagles run D kind of had fallen off. So I agree. I think that they're going to come out and Mayfield looked healthy too. Cause he was banged up mm-hmm. during the year. I mean, he could ribs and knee, um, so I think that they – I'm very confident that they're going to come out and not just – this would happen at times. You know, I mean, it happened more with Leftwich, but um, they would come out and just run into walls, and then they'd get – you know, it'd be third and long, and, uh, you know, and then they'd get behind, and it was just such an inefficient approach. So after seeing what they did last week, um, yeah, I agree. I was extremely impressed with Bowles and then just the the staff, which – the, the scout, which I think will work – just run that back here this week because there's huge advantages. I mean, you have, you know, we talked about uh, Vildor potentially on Godwin a lot. And then if they shadow Sutton, like I, people think Sutton is good. I, I I was like, Sutton is not good. Uh, Lions fans tell me, in our, one of our podcast reviews, someone's like, he said, or it was a YouTube comment. He says, Cam Sutton is trash. I'm never listening to this guy again. So yeah, Evans on Sutton, Godwin on Vildor. And then Kate Otten, the God, just on the, I mean, no one can cover him. So there's major advantages in the, when Mayfield drops back. And I'm pretty confident that's the approach they're going to take. And, you know, there's some other things that work in Tampa Bay's favor here a, uh, a little bit too. You know, this team, Baker Mayfield at quarterback, I think that's, you know, the reason, you know, ever casual better look at, say, oh my goodness, that's terrible. He's been playing well. But also, this is a Tampa Bay team that's, you know, besides Mayfield, it's playoff tested. 
I mean, this is still, you still have a lot of the guys that went to the Super Bowl. You have a lot of the guys, you know, they've won the division each of the, you know, the last few years, or they've been, uh, or or before that they were in the playoffs, they were losing to the Saints for the division. But this is that same kind of team here. So it's not like this team is just a whole bunch of new, uh, you know, guys who haven't been in this position before. Mayfield's won a couple playoff games now uh, for his career. So, you know, if anything, Detroit, you know, Ford Field is going to be great. The, the home field is still going to work in Detroit's favor, obviously. But uh, it's another one of those situations where I think the market is just uh, undervaluing Tampa Bay. Uh, as far as trends go, Sunday, divisional round, single-digit road dogs, 26-9-1 and one, uh, against the spread over the last two decades. That's 74%. And wildcard or divisional dogs who are under, underperforming the Pythagorean win-loss record uh, from the regular season, which the Bucks, you know, they're they're they are slightly not by a major amount, but uh, they little over nine wins for them. If you just look at their point differential, and they end up going nine and eight. Uh, those teams, 35, 13 and two, 73 percent against the spread over the last two decades. That that was a stat I, I cited uh, on the uh, on convince me uh, back in the Bucks last week as well. So had the Lions the first time in this matchup, actually, uh, and they did cover. So hopefully I can. Uh, stay hot with picking the right side of this one because I'm going with the Bucks this time, plus six and a half at the Lions. Yeah, and I will say you cast you cast that probably the right side, but I'm telling you, I watched that entire game. Mayfield missed two or three, missed an eight. There was an 80 yard touchdown he missed. Yeah, uh, but there was a couple just wide open guys, which is going to happen against the Lions. So that game could have been. A lot closer, very misleading final score. If you're going back and just looking at how that played out, and you're like, wow, they only scored you know, six or seven points. I forget what it was. The one thing that worries me is I think both offenses have some advantages here. And I know Campbell is going to be aggressive on fourth down. And we said our ball has been better this year. He's still not aggressive. He's still on fourth and shorts. He's still very conservative. I think it, yeah. Uh, I forget who put out the most aggressive coaches of 2023 this year, but uh, Campbell was either one or two, as you would expect. And Bowles is still, uh, you know, bottom third of the league. So I, I hope that he is a little bit more aggressive here. Um, but that that's one thing that worries me is just like the Bucks punting on like fourth and one at like the 43 or fourth and two. Um, and then on the other side, the Lions go for it, you know, in the same situation, end up with a touchdown. I mean, those are just big swings. So I hope Bowles is a little bit more aggressive because I know Campbell's going to be, and I think this is a good game to do so. Yeah, I like it. I think this line's too high. I'd have to sit like uh, four, four, eight. All right. Well, that is going to do it for our division round six pack. Again, we'll get to Bill's Chiefs right after this. But just to recap, Stuck has – Baltimore, first half, minus six and a half. Chris Godwin, longest reception, over 21 and a half. And the Niners, minus nine and a half against the Pack. I have Devin Singletary, under 16 and a half receiving yards. Trey Palmer, under 20 and a half receiving yards. And the Bucks plus six and a half. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION, A-C-T-I-O-N, when signing up to get $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5 for new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem. Call 
100 gambler. All right, now it's time for our divisional round coaches pep talk. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? For this week's coaches pep talk, we're going to legendary NFL coach and zero-time Super Bowl champion Marty Schottenheimer, and uh, we'll dedicate this to dedicated to the Bucks. Climb a mountain. You take one step at a time. Don't go looking at the top. You end up flipping on your ass. One step at a time, and the only step that's important is the next one. All right, so we got uh, one more game here. Got the Chiefs. Got the Bills at BetMGM. Bills favored by three at home against Kansas City. The total 45 and a half stuck. What are your thoughts on Bills Chiefs? Uh, well, well, first I'll start with a so the Chiefs beat the Dolphins, uh, just a, a shell of a team last week. I, I mean, I, I played some Dolphins, so did you. But it's not like I was like, oh, now the Chiefs are back. So excluding the Dolphins, who they beat last week, well, let's get a trivia question. How many playoff teams did the Chiefs beat this year? One other one, I believe, right? Who? Was it the Dolphins? Yeah, I said besides the Dolphins. Oh, oh, I thought you meant in that play. Oh, oh, um, yeah, and regular season too. They beat the Dolphins. Regular season, but no, yeah, no yeah, other yeah, playoff yeah. teams. Zero. Oh, zero. Zero. So they beat the Dolphins twice. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. They beat the Dolphins twice. And we said all year how bad they looked, and it wasn't the same Chiefs team. I, but I was shocked by that. Like, and playing in the AFC, their road wins were the Jags, Jets, Vikings, loss of the Broncos, Raiders, loss of the Packers. Pats, and then a, the Chargers in a backup game. Like that's, I was shocked. Um, more of a fun fact: I, I, these people kept asking me last week at the action event. Shout out to anyone who came. It's a pleasure meeting a lot of you. Uh, like, what, what should this line be? I was like, it's got to be three. I think at two and a half, the Bills are going to take sharp money. Um, and at three and a half, because I always try to bust like Mahomes is a dog, but especially with the hook public and sharper money would take the three and a half. So I feel like three is the perfect number. I think it came out. So two and a half just because of the bills injury situation. Uh, there's a lot of guys on, and they're on a short week too. It's worth mentioning that two fewer days of prep and rest, which I, I mean, I look concussion. They don't matter as games get more meaningful as we've seen, but a guy like Teron Johnson, he gets a concussion. It's just like fourth one too. But I mean, I'm assuming he'll play because it's a playoff game, which is ridiculous, but yeah, so that's that's where that comes into play. I talked about that with our producers, a Bills fan. I was like, that's where really the short week could hurt you if you get a bunch of injuries. And then, you know, if a guy was like 50-50, it was a normal week, and then maybe he doesn't go because it's only four or five days. So, yeah, Bills, a lot of injuries. Cornerback, linebacker. So, I, yeah, I mean, Gabe Davis. I'm curious to see how some of those shake out. I like the Bills to win this game, but it's Bills Chiefs. It's going to come down to dumb shit. Like, it's going to be close and it's just the way that it works. I would it would be hilarious if this game went to overtime because it'd be the first playoff <laughs> game to go to overtime, assuming none of the three before it, since the infamous AFC championship game that where they changed the rule because of it. So that would be funny. But I'm sure Bills fans and myself would not want that because the Bills lose every overtime game ever. But the difference in this game, the Chiefs offense is still broken to me. There's still a lot of issues. I know they still have Mahomes, but I think the difference in this game is the Bills now. Turned into the most run-heavy team in the league. Since Joe Brady took over as the offense coordinator, they've gone from 8th to 32nd 
in pass play rate. I think it was weeks one through nine and 10 through half the year, basically. So they were eighth in pass play right now, 32nd. There's some noise in that. And then if you're winning and whatever, but they're now extremely run heavy. Chiefs can't defend the run. Uh, 27th DVOA against the run. You can run on them. And the Chiefs still have Mahomes. The, the, the best offense, the best defense for the Bills, especially with injuries, it's running the ball here. Do they treat this as like the and approach this game like the Cowboys game? Come out and just say, we're going to bully the shit out of you and just run all over you and take, you know, well-timed shots. But use Allen's legs, Cook's legs. I think that's the biggest matchup advantage in this game. Some of the Bills' injuries we'll see because, you know, there's, the depth could get really hurt, especially if there's clusters, you know, at cornerback. Rasul Douglas, I think he's he'll be he's really important. He wasn't who cares about against, against the Steelers, but he said he could have played. But then McDermott came out and said someone else was closer. So I don't know, but I think that he's going to at least suit up. But you know, if Johnson doesn't go, Douglas doesn't go. Benford was hurt, so if you have cluster injuries at corner and or linebacker, you know that's makes things a little bit more a little dicier. But I think that's what this this game comes down to is that the bills who have turned into this like running juggernaut can just come out with that game plan, use Allen's legs a ton. And then you still have Josh Allen throwing the ball as well, but that's how you attack this chiefs D this new bills offense is built to exploit that. And we have to remember that this chiefs offense, things aren't fixed just because they beat the the dolphins who had a bunch of backup defenders in a blizzard. This offense still has major issues so I think that's the difference. I think the Bills win this game. I would have bet them minus two and a half, but the injuries I want to wait on. And then if it's at three, you know, already have a 50 to one future, I'll probably let it go. Um, but I think that's the that's the handicap here. The Bills run offense against the Chiefs run defense will be the difference and enable them to have easier third down situations, sustain longer drives. Um and the Bills should be able to, you know, as long as there's not too many injuries in the back end, they can generate pressure off the edge. And that's where people talk about the wide receivers for the Chiefs, which are an issue. Kelsey isn't the same guy that he once was. I was th- going to, uh, well, I'll get your thoughts on this next. So the pass catchers aren't as great, but the tackles are of own, uh, are a problem. And the Bills can exploit that without having the blitz. You know, the Dolphins had a blitz a bunch and play cover zero last week, which, you know, doesn't really work against Mahomes. You don't want to blitz moments. You want to be able to get pressure, which the Bills can do, assuming they don't have too many injuries on the back end. So I think it's a pretty good matchup in that sense. They can get pressure off the edge. I was thinking about Kelsey under props, but then I look every playoff game and, and then every game against the Bills. I mean, Kelsey, play, you just bet for Kelsey over catches. He gets, I mean, he's going to get like 10, 11 targets. So I couldn't do it. Uh, even though I was like, there's this, this number is definitely going to be overinflated. But I, I, I personally couldn't do it. Anything on Kelsey? And then what are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, as far as Kelsey, I I wouldn't really want to touch his unders. Yes, he's not the same guy, but, uh, you know, Buffalo has been – I mean, this has been happening all year. They've gotten injuries at linebacker and and things yeah. like that. So, you know, in this spot, especially Rice coming off a big game, especially because the Chiefs could be down more than they're used to being down. Uh, so you could get some, you know, some stuff happening late. He did play – he ran around a 91% of the dropback, so it's not like he's really coming out of the game much. So, yeah, I wouldn't – don't love Kelsey Unders as of now. Now, it depends, you know, if the market continues to go up, uh, you know, maybe. But, uh, you know, follow us in the app. We'll, we'll see if we end up doing that. And now a quick word from our sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, 
pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Are you too sad from watching Nick Sirianni coach a football game to leave your house? No problem with HelloFresh. You skip trips to the grocery store and unlike fading Kate Otten, they make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why they're America's number one meal kit. This time of year, everyone's looking to revamp their eating habits. Look to HelloFresh's wholesome options every week. They know breakfast is the most important meal of the day. In fact, they're giving all subscribers free breakfast for life. That means you'll enjoy a totally free breakfast item with every single HelloFresh delivery. So go to HelloFresh.com slash ActionPodFree and use code ActionPodFree, A-C-T-I-O-N-P-O-D-F-R-E-E, for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash ActionPodFree with code ActionPodFree. HelloFresh. America's number one meal kit. As far as the game, yeah, uh, I agree. I think Kansas City tackle is going to be an issue. That's never good. Your run defense is the weakest unit in the game. Uh, that, that That's not ideal against Buffalo. Both quarterbacks can create off schedule and off script. So, you know, that advantage, you know, because Mahomes gets to the playoffs. And it's like you can't sack this guy. Uh, he's going to scramble and, and just have some – Incredible runs, but Josh Allen could do the same thing. I mean, that run against Pittsburgh was just absurd when he fake had the little hitch, fake the slide or whatever. So yeah. I, I think you kind of match it up equally there. Buffalo, you know, we'll see about Gabe Davis, but you know, Buffalo still with with Diggs and Shakir, I think, still has better receivers. Uh, so, Davis, I like, I want Davis in there for run block. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's great at run block, and that's that's where you're gonna miss him. But yeah, Buffalo has options too. You know, Buffalo can go two tight ends if they want with Knox and, and Kincaid. They can still go three wide if they want. Uh, so yeah, I, I I like I like Buffalo here at home, you know, regular season. Uh Buffalo has tended to own them and then Kansas City when you get to the playoffs. But this is the first time Kansas City's playing first time at home's true road game. Yeah, in the playoffs, right? Outside, yeah. you know, neutral games in the Super Bowl, sure, but you know, this is a little different here. So, yeah, I give Buffalo the edge. Not sure if I'll have a pick on the game. I mean, it also depends on the market. If it goes back to two and a half no juice, uh I'll see if I get there. I think I'm at I'm I think I'm around 3 uh right now, so not a ton of uh, an edge on Buffalo, but uh as I dig into the matchup, as we see the injury report, cuz I you know, I, I thought I was going to have Buffalo closer to 4 all things being equal, everything healthy. But right now, you know, it's just so early in the week that we don't know exactly who's in, who's out uh, yet. But yeah, I, I I like Buffalo in this game. Like, I, I don't think, you know, if the, like, unless the line got to three, five and, you know, Buffalo had a bunch of injuries um, that, that weren't going to be fixed by this game. Then maybe I'd look at KC because that Mahomes is a dog. Mahomes is a, a dog or a favorite by a field goal or less. So essentially anytime he's not a favorite by more than a field goal, he is 28 and one. 71% against the spread. So uh, that, that is, there is profitable Mahomes trends, but I, I just kind of like what you said. I don't think this is the same chief offense. I do think that Rasheed Rice kind of going more downfield and truly emerging as that top receiver does help. But For Douglas uh, is, would be huge. Yeah. Because yeah, Douglas so, play and is he healthy? That's a big right. factor. The emergence of Rice and I think the Buffalo in potential injuries and then, you know, the, the extra rest is what's working in Kansas City's favor. Buffalo, yeah. I think, though, better team. Uh, all things being equal, home field, better team, would expect them to win a game. So that's just one we'll have to see to later in the week. Because, I mean, later in the week, I didn't bet the Bucks to later in the week. I didn't bet the Texas to later in the week. So do follow me on the app, at Chris Raybon. Stuck is at Stucky2. 
and see if we get down on any of these. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I had this like three seven with the injuries, the short week. I'm now just like sitting around three, um, yeah. and then want to wait to see what I get from there. It would be funny. I think the Ravens would be depending. I mean, depending on what happens this week with injuries, but I think the Ravens would be a favorite over a field goal next week at home against the Chiefs. But it would be funny if the Ravens were minus two and a half, and then because like Lamar and Mahomes are like a combined like 102 and one against the spread as an underdog or favorite of yeah. under a field goal. So you could make, you could just anyone making a case for either side could use that trend, which would be hilarious because it works for both. But the one thing I'll add, this is just this, the stupid, that doesn't mean anything because the sample size is small, but this is Kelsey's last 10 playoff games, eight on 10 targets for 109, 13 on 15 targets for 118, 10 on 15 targets for 133, Five on seven targets for 108, eight on nine for 96, 10 on 11 for 95, 14 on 17 targets for 98, seven on eight for 78, six on six for 81. Last week, seven on 10 targets for 71. I have to assume he went, he's 10 and 0 on the over receiving yards in those 10 games. Maybe he does he, this is. Are his reception yard totals ever in the 80s? I guess in the past they have been, right? They have been in the past, but he definitely went over this last one against the um, Dolphins. Yeah, I think it was like sure. in the 50s. So, yeah. Um, even, 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 against, and that's with three drops. And that's with three drops. Yeah. Maybe the one against Cincy, he had 78 yards. I wonder. But, like, I look back at that and I was like, I'm, I'm out. You get in that negative game script and it's just going to get away from you fast if, if yep. you know, so. But, but uh, go Bills, right. go Ravens for futures. And I know a lot of people that are listening tell this. So let's, uh, Let's get them home and have another good weekend. Yes, sir. And uh, again, as Ducky said, shouts to everyone who came out this past weekend uh, in Jersey on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, really was fun to meet everybody y'all and appreciate all the uh, kind words. And uh, hopefully we can uh, keep it rolling. So uh, that is going to be a wrap. Uh, we'll still be here every Thursday throughout the NFL playoffs. Uh, you can also hear more of me with my guy, Kerner, talking fantasy DFS, all that good stuff on the Fantasy Flex pod. And uh, we'll have our projections pod as well and you can hear stuck talking college hoops over on the big bets on campus pod monday and friday as mentioned stuck is on the app at stucky too and i'm at chris raybon that's the action app it's amazing um for tracking your bets for following others just for just for line shopping which um you know is another thing uh that, that's really great for so uh be sure to download no, by, that. by the way listener when you do your current when you do your current episode this week you haven't recorded that yet right no uh, say you have a, a listener question, mm-hmm. special listener question from Stucky, and it, you can either just do 10 seconds, but the people want to hear more. And he, uh, one question on Otten um, on his prop value if there's if you're fading him, if you're not, if they're right, I want to hear both your thoughts on on him on the pod. That's right. A right now, I can tell you we both have him at 30. Thir- at 30 receiving yards on the dot, and his his prop, I believe, is 30 and a half. Yeah, right now, not showing any value, but yeah, we'll, we'll dive into it deeper. Um, as long as there's no Otten fades, that's the people know Otten nah, But uh, yeah, that is going to do it for us. Stuck on, on Twitter at the same name as the app, at Stucky2. I'm at Chris Raybon. Until next time, let's get this money. Let's go. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.